Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, well, good morning and welcome to Blue Ridge Church. My name is Matt. I just want to thank you all so much for being here with us today. Uh, whether you're here in person or streaming with us online, thank you so much. And listen, if this is your first time or you're new with us, you don't have to worry about anything. We're not going to make you feel awkward or ask you to stand up and introduce yourself. We just truly are glad that you're here with us today. Now, I know that we've had a lot of busy weekends, and there's a lot going on these last couple days. We had Thanksgiving. Uh, there's a big game last night. I'm not sure if anyone caught that. Uh, but if not, I'll remind you that Virginia Tech did win last night against UVA. Okay, so good job, Hokies, finally. Yeah, all right. Uh, but we just came out of Thanksgiving, right? This has been a busy week for some people, and, and maybe you're here and you're like, I love it. I love the chaos of Thanksgiving, this holiday season. It's like your favorite time of year, right? You love getting together with family and your friends. You love having, you know, time with your kids because they've got time off of school. You love shopping and buying presents for people that you care about and you love. You love all the work parties, all those fun things that go along with the holiday season. But I also know there's people here that absolutely dread this time of the year. Right? Not everyone loves Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's time. Some people, you actually hate it. Right? Like, like you hate this time of year. You're like, oh, October hits. Like it's downhill from here until January. Like you just don't, you just want to get through it. Right? Like you're glad Thanksgiving's over. You got one more major holiday left before you can finally start the year back over. And, uh, and you don't really like it because of the same reasons why people love this time of year. Right? You've got to spend time with your family. Some of you, you are not looking forward to doing that. Like, there's a lot of drama. You know, I was just talking to someone between services is that it's so unfortunate that Thanksgiving is, like, right after election time, right? Like, so no matter if it's a president or a governor, like, there's always going to be an awkward conversation at the dinner table, right? One of my buddies from New York messaged me the other day and said, our Thanksgiving was a nightmare, He's like, last year we didn't do anything because of COVID, and so uh, this year we made it a huge deal, invited everyone, had like 25 people over, and he's like, my family split down the middle. Like, we were like, half of us are Democrats, half of us are Republicans, and so it usually gets really awkward. And he was like, maybe this year will be the year that it doesn't. And he was wrong. <laughs> so he goes, his grandfather, who is like, he like, he stirs the pot all the time. He goes, my grandfather, 10 seconds after the prayer for Thanksgiving dinner, stands up at the table and says, do y'all see that Kyle Rittenhouse case? What do you think about it? And he goes, from there on, it was just game over. He goes, it was the worst Thanksgiving. He goes, they argued, they fought, they debated. And he's like, I just, I can't, I'm not looking forward to these times of, of in my life just because our family, there's always drama, right? There's always someone that says something, that does something, that acts a certain way that makes you not look forward to it. Or maybe for you, it's like, I don't like it because my kids get off, right? Some people love the holidays because their kids are off on vacation. Others are like, I don't know what I'm going to do for two weeks, right? Like, like who's going to watch these kids, right? Like, what are, they, what are we going to do with them for two weeks in the cold weather, right? Or maybe it's the friends. You just don't want to get together with people. There's just a lot of stress and anxiety and worry. And, and you just don't really like this holiday season as much as people typically do. And one of the things that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks is how hard it is to be thankful and grateful when we deal with certain things in our lives, right? So Scott, the first week, talked about comparison and how it's hard to be grateful when we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. And then last week, he talked about entitlement, about how, again, it's really difficult to be entitled and then be grateful at the same time. 
And so this morning what we're going to talk about, we're going to close this series up before next week we launch our Christmas series, and we're going to talk about stress and anxiety and worry and how that often keeps us from being grateful and getting back to thanks the way that God wants us to. And so if you want to follow along with today's talk, you can go ahead and open up the Church Center app. I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, you can click the notes, and there's a bunch of fill-ins. It just helps to follow along. If you don't have the app, you can scan that QR code right in front of you, and it'll bring you to the same page. But here's learning number one this morning, and it's very basic. Stress prevents us from getting back to thanks. Very simple, right? It is nearly impossible to be grateful and to have a heart of thanksgiving when we are constantly worried and stressed all of the time, right? They just don't mix, right? Just like comparison and entitlement don't mix with Thanksgiving, either distress, it makes it really hard to, to love and to be thankful for uh, your job, right? When it's constantly stressing you out. It's hard to be thankful for your relationship, whether you're married or you've got a significant other, when that relationship is strained and stressed out, right? It's hard to be thankful for your children when they're giving you endless reasons to worry about their well-being, about, you know, the structure of your house or the walls or everything we worry about as parents, right? It's really hard to be thankful and grateful when we're worried all of the time. And, and here's what it says in the Bible, because here's what we're going to jump off of for this morning's talk. It's, it starts in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Here's Paul's instruction. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So Paul, when he talks about worry, he gives us this blueprint on how to live a stress-free life, of how to live stress-free, of how to get rid of and get rid of the worry and the anxieties that so many of us carry around. And, and so he breaks it down into like four different sections. And so we're going to go through those. The first section is in verse six. It says this, do not worry about anything. Just don't worry. Now, how many of you here would agree that it is easier said than done? Right, just to, to right, a lot of, most of us, not all of us. Right? It's, it's not something that we can just turn off. Right? Worry isn't one of those things that, you know, if you're worried and you're anxious about something, you can just, you know, say, just, just stop, and then it goes away. Like sometimes anxieties and stresses and worries that we carry around are nearly impossible to stop thinking about, to stop worrying about, to stop uh, preparing for those things that we think are going to happen in our lives, and it really takes away from, from happiness. It takes away from joy. It takes away from thanksgiving. And part of that is due to our environment, right? Like the environment we live in is chaotic. It's always changing. You know, one of the, the you know, the ingredients of stress is an ever-changing environment that we live in. And, and you look around, the world is changing all the time. Things are different everywhere we look, whether that's at your job, whether that's at in a political level, whether that's just in, in general terms, like there's always things changing. There's always things to worry about. There's always things going on. And that's what I've realized in, our, in my life is no matter what stage I'm in, whether I'm young or older, as, as I'm inexperienced in something or experienced in something, there's always going to be something to worry about. There will always be something to worry about. I mean, no matter what stage of life you're in, whether you have a lot of money or you don't have a lot of money, there's always something to worry about with finances. 
Whether your relationship is great or it's hurting right now, there's always reasons to stress out. I mean, you can take any area of life and, and see that there's always a reason to worry. There's always a reason to stress. There's always a reason to have problems. And I think it's important to realize because learning number two, this is what it says, our worries are oftentimes deceptive. Like when you think about the things you're worried about, your stress, your anxiety, it's not fake, but it's deceiving. It gets you to believe something about you or something about your future that most likely won't even happen. But listen, there's always something to worry about. Stress is a fraud. Stress is, there, there's things, there's voices in our lives, there's voices in the world that will always want you to be stressed and worried and scared of something. And I'll prove it to you. Just think back. Think about the last 20 years of your life, if you're old enough. Right, but just think back the last 20 years. I wrote some of these down. It's crazy. Uh, if you go back to year 2000, what was what everyone was worried about? Right, Y2K, right? There's too many zeros on the computer. We're all going to die, right? Like it's going to turn off technology. The power grid's going out. Like, like that was a huge concern for everyone at that time, right? A, a year later, we had 9-11, which was terrible. But you remember after 9-11, what the, what the scare was for everyone? It was anthrax. Remember, everyone was like, don't check your mail, right? Some, some random person might be sending you white powder. And if you breathe it in, you're done, right? And so everyone's freaking out over anthrax, right? Here's a couple more. The next year in 2002, the West Nile virus. Remember that? 2003 was SARS. 2005 was the bird flu. 2006 was E. coli. 2008 was the financial collapse. Remember when, you know, every, we were all going to die. This is going to be over. This is, the, this is the end of America. 2009 was the swine flu. 2012, probably my favorite one, the Mayan calendar. Remember that apocalypse? Remember the billboards everywhere? I was like, you better prepare your family. Like, this, it's ending here. 2013, we realized that North Korea had nukes, and we thought they were going to nuke us. They had them pointed at us, and we were freaking out. That was going to be the Cold War 2.0. The next year in 2014 was Ebola. 2015 it was ISIS. Remember, they took over the Middle East, and, and we thought there were camps all over the country where they were raising up people, and it was going to take us out in any way, shape, or form they could. 2016, Trump won, right? And half the country was like, we're all going to die, <laughs> right? And then four years later, Biden wins, we're all going to die. The other half, we're all going to die, right? Listen, there will always be someone telling you to be worried about something. There will always be a voice in this world trying to push you to worry and, and think that your life is in danger, that you should be worried, you should be concerned, you should be stressed because all of these bad things that are happening in your life. And, and when you stop and just think about it for a second, it's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? Like it's kind of ridiculous on how often we get spoken those words is, this is wrong, this is bad, this is gonna end terribly, you better be careful, you better watch out. And what that does over and over and over again instills in each one of us a fear and an anxiety, and a worry of the uncertainty of what tomorrow may or may not bring. We worry about everything. There will always be something to worry about. But here's the truth. The significant majority of the things that you and I worry about will never happen. At least they'll never happen the way that we dream them up or think them up to happen. And I'll prove it to you. 
At some point today, I want you to do this. I want you to get your phone out, and I want you, you don't have to do it now, get your phone out and, and list off the 10 top most common things that you are worried about, right? The 10 things that you're scared of, the things you're worried about, the things that stress you out. And here's what I want you to do once you have that list of 10. I want you to apply this, uh, this formula to it, this research to it. Because there was a guy a couple years ago, a scientist, a researcher, who did this huge project where he interviewed and studied tens of thousands of people and what he realized was, is that most of us, generally speaking, most of us are afraid of and stress out and worry about the same exact sort of things, right? So it might not be the exact same thing, but it's in the same category where we all have certain worries, certain anxieties that, that are fearful, that things that we worry about will happen to us one day or things that have happened. And so here's what he discovered after a couple of years of researching and looking at these people, is that right off the top, 40% of the things we worry about will never happen. Like statistically, probability speaking, they will never happen. Okay, like, like for example, we're all not gonna die in an airplane crash. Okay, most people are afraid of flying, but, but not all of us are gonna go down in an airplane. Okay, not all of us are gonna get eaten by a shark when you swim in the ocean. Okay, not saying that stuff won't happen or can't happen, but statistically speaking, that kind of stuff, 40% of the things we worry about, just flat out, you know, statistically will not, cannot happen to all of us. Okay, so you can already cross four things off of that list, <laughs> all right? An additional 30%, he, he found out, were of things we worried about that pertain to our past, right? So things that happened in our lives, maybe that's things we wish didn't happen or maybe things we wish did happen, uh, their regrets, things like the things we wish we should have done, things we wish we could have done, uh, choices we wish we would have made. And so it's a lot of focusing on what already was in the past behind us, and if you've been at Blue Ridge for any length of time, you know that we talk a lot about forgetting our past and, and moving on from what was in our past because there's no reason to dwell on it, right? You can't change it. No amount of worry, no amount of regret, no amount of wishing things were different could ever change our past. And so we always teach, look forward to what God has for you, not the things that you, you could have had or, or wish you would have had if things were different in your life. And so already we're up to 70%. 70% of the things that we worry about on a daily basis are somewhat irrelevant. On top of that, he realized that 12% of our worries are due to what he calls illness anxiety. And that's sort of the, the hypochondriac in all of us. Like, have you ever gone through a time in your life where you're like, man, something's not right? Like, you could be perfectly healthy, right? And all of a sudden you have, you sneeze and you're like, something is wrong, right? Like you freak out, you internally, like you're just having a panic. You know, I remember when I first moved to Virginia, I was really homesick. I didn't want to be there. And so I had these troubles breathing. Like I couldn't, like if this was your breath, like I could only get to like this point. And so it like reached a, a point where I couldn't breathe like deep breaths. And I was super worried about this. And so, you know, I did what everyone shouldn't do. And I Googled it. And, uh, and one of the, the responses was, is, there could be like a mass or a tumor in one of your lungs preventing you from breathing deep. And so I'm freaking out. I went to the doctor. I'm like, I've got lung cancer. I don't even smoke, but I've got lung. I know there's something wrong with me. And he's like, relax. You're worried. You're anxious. You've got anxiety. Just, just relax. Try to, try to stop worrying about all the bad things that could happen to you. And so he realized 12% of our worries and anxieties are of this illness anxiety of things that will never happen, right? Things that we're afraid of that we even might go and get checked out of the doctor, but we still are anxious about it thinking, well, what if he missed it? Well, well what, if the scan, what if she didn't read the scans the right way? And we convince ourselves that we are sick or there's something wrong with us. 
And then lastly, what he found out is that 10%, on top of that, 10% are just insignificant and petty things. Right? Not that they're unimportant, but things in our lives that we stress out about and worry about that are like, like our sports team losing or winning, like the anxiety you get from your team, right? Watching that game last night, it was like the fumble at the end just like threw me through the roof. I was like, what are we doing? Like, and it just freak out, right? Those are, they're important, right? We can worry about those things, but they're pretty petty, right? Like they might ruin your day, but they're not going to ruin your life sort of things, <laughs> okay? And so at the end, if you add up all those, what it comes up to is 92% of the things the average person worries about are concerned with things that will never even happen in their entire lifetime. So 8% of the things that we have to worry about are only, only 8% are legitimate concerns that we should be looking at. See, the truth is, is that worrying changes nothing. It changes absolutely nothing. You can worry, you can not worry. Some things in your life are just going to go the way that they go. And what we see in the Bible, what Jesus tells us is to not worry about the things we're worrying about. Why? Because we can't control them. Worrying does nothing. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So Jesus is saying this. He's saying, in other words, he's saying, stop opening up your umbrella before it even starts raining. Right? You don't have to prepare for all the bad things that are going to happen in your life. If, if things do happen, if things come your way, which they will, all of us will experience pain. All of us will experience hardship. But deal with them as they come. Right? You don't have to over-prepare for all the bad things you think are going to happen in your life, all the things you're worried about, all the things you're stressed about. Why? Because most of it's not going to happen to you. Most of it's an absolute waste of time. And even that 8%, there's nothing we can do to change it. And so Paul says the first step to getting back to thanks, to being someone who's got gratitude in their heart and lives that way, is to not worry about anything. And then the second thing he says is to pray about everything. Here's what verse 6 says. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. So when we struggle, when we're dealing with something, our first thing that we should do is to bring it to God, is to go to God in prayer and just tell God about it, to have a conversation with God about it. And really what it is, is, is Paul saying is to get back to the fundamentals of what you believe, of your faith. Like, if you think about fundamentals in anything, that's really the way to move from one point to another, right? Think about other things. Think about people you're trying to lose weight, right? Like, if you're trying to lose weight, if you get back to the fundamentals of that, you can go on all these different diets, you can do all these crazy things and take all these supplements, which are fine, which are good, but at the end of the day, you just got to eat less than your body burns, right? You've got to intake more calories than, you know, are, are burned. Same with money. If you're struggling with money, you know, you can go and, and do all these classes, which we recommend you do. We want you to, you know, to be financially responsible. It's important for us to, to we, we think that's important to do. Um, but at the end of the day, it's don't spend more than you make, right? Like it's simple, not easy to do, but it's simple fundamentals of certain things that get us to where we want to be. And what, what Jesus is saying here, what Paul is saying here is one of the fundamentals of our faith is when we stress out and when we worry and we fear something is to go to God in prayer to bring our worries and bring our anxieties to God. Here's what 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says. You can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, for you are his personal concern. 
I really like how that, that translation says it because it says you can throw all of the things you worry about, all of the things that are uh, things that cause stress and anxiety in your life and put them on God, right? Give those things to God. Don't bear the weight of the things in your life that you worry about. Instead, give that over to God. Let him worry about those. Let him deal with those problems. And so oftentimes what it comes down to is us just cultivating a habit of going to God, of praying. And, and praying doesn't have to look the same for everybody. You know, I grew up in a church where I thought praying was just reciting a certain prayer over and over again, and that was supposed to get, to me, get me where I needed to be spiritually. But as I've grown up, what I've realized is, is prayer is, is any sort of conversation you have with, with God, with your Father, if you're a Christian. Right? It's almost like someone having a conversation with someone you love and you care about, whether that's your spouse, significant other, maybe a family member, or a good friend. It's just being around that person. Right? You don't go to them with a list of things every time. Right? You, just, you hang out with them, you spend time with them, and that conversation happens and you build that relationship. And so prayer doesn't have to be this structured thing. It can be, you know, you can you know, go in your room and, and turn off the lights and light some candles and do whatever you want to do to get in the headspace of prayer. But, but sometimes it's on the way to work. It's the quietness on the way to the work where you're just having a conversation with God and, and bringing the worries and anxieties you have to your heavenly father. He says to throw all of the weight of your anxieties on him. And he says, because you're his personal responsibility. I love that it's worded that way, that God has taken his children and said, you are my personal responsibility. I want to take care of you. I want to take away the things that you're struggling with, that you're stressed out about, that you're worried about. I mean, it's kind of like a, almost like an employee-employer relationship, right? Because giving things to God is really abstract, Right? If you're a Christian and you've kind of known there's certain things that we say, you know, just pray about it, right? Just give it to God. And, and those are the things that are really hard to figure out how to do because, you know, my thoughts and, and my worries, they're not tangible, right? Like I can give you my water, but, but I can't, like, how do I give you my stress? Like, how do I give you my worries? And I think it's really uh, easy to see when you, you view it somewhat through like an employee-employer relationship, Right? Like if you've got an employer, like there's certain things that are just over your pay grade, right? You don't want to worry about, you don't have to worry about. That's their job. They get paid to worry about certain things. Like Scott, he's my boss. Okay? You know, Scott, the old guy that gets up here, you know, see, he's my boss. <laughs> but there's certain things that happen at the church where, you know, the roof starts leaking and I'm just like, not my problem, right? Like that's Scott's problem. The HVAC doesn't work. I mean, you deal with it. It's your responsibility. Now, obviously, we share those responsibilities, but it's not a perfect example. But think about that. There's certain things that God just wants you to give to him, that it's his job to worry about those things. It's his job to, have, to carry the anxieties that we do. And what the message we see all throughout, especially the New Testament, is that God doesn't want us carrying around the things that weigh us down. He doesn't want us bearing them, at least by ourselves. He wants us to give those anxieties and those stresses and those worries to him. And so if you're stressed, you're worried, he says, pray about it and tell God all of the things that you need. Because learning number three, prayer reminds us who's in charge of the things we can control. I think at its very core, one of the things that's most important about cultivating a habit of prayer and coming to God in those moments is, is really the mindset we get from prayer of, of affirming and reminding ourselves that we are not in control of almost anything in our lives. Sure, there are certain things we can control, but we really don't worry about those. Like if we can control them, it's, there's nothing to be afraid of. 
There's nothing to stress out about. We just make a change that needs to be made. It's the things we can't control. It's the things we have no power over. It's the things that we have no influence over. We can't do anything about. But in the moments of prayer, the reminder is, is that God can. God can control the things that are out of our control. Remember, 92% of the things we worry about won't even happen anyways. They won't even happen at least the way we expect them to happen. And I know some of you are thinking, but what about that 8%? (laughs) Right? The worry people like me, like like a lot of bad things can happen in that 8% of worries that I have in my life. But what do we learn about that? Even that 8%, we still can't control by worrying. We still can't change by worrying and stressing out all the time. We've got to trust God that he is in control. And in the moments we don't trust God, I think Paul anticipates that because what he says next, the third step, really covers the moments where we don't trust God or don't believe he's in control. And it's the last part of the verse six. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Thankfulness, gratitude, thanking God for the things that he's done for us in our lives. I think one of the easiest things as a Christian is to lose sight of the things God's done for us in our past. The moments where we've struggled and we've worried and we've stressed and we've been depressed and we've had issues in our lives in the past and God showed up in the middle of nowhere and helped get us through to where we are today. And so what prayer does is is it reminds us of the things God has done. What thankfulness does is it reminds us of the things God has done for us in our past and gives us confidence that in the present that he is able to take care of those worries and those problems too. Learning number four says this, thankfulness reminds us that God is reliable. That God is reliable. Oftentimes we'll use the word faithful, you know, and that's the, you can use those words interchangeably, but I love how, how thinking about God being a reliable God because that's so much of what we seek as human beings, isn't it? People who are reliable, people we can trust, people we can count on, people who we can depend on, in our lives. And the message we get from God is that he is a reliable God. He's a trustworthy God. You can depend on God to help get you through the worries and the stresses in your life. You know, one of the stressed, most stressed out times I've ever been in my own life is when my first son was born. Um, he was born with, uh, and I won't get into exactly what it is, but he was born with an issue that required surgery. And it was kind of a surprise to everybody you know, no one really was expecting this. They couldn't see this on any of the ultrasounds. But when he was born, you know, it was kind of scary because they come to you and they're like, well, he's got this and this. And, and because of that, we're going to have to have surgery. But we don't want to do it now because his body is just so little. And so, you know, he said, when, when your child, when he gets to be about eight or nine months, you've got to bring him in and he's got to have this procedure done. And so for nine months, not only are we stressed out because of a brand new kid, baby, but we're freaking out because in nine months from now, this kid's got to go under a knife and have surgery to fix something that's wrong with him. Okay, and so again, I did what every parent shouldn't do, but what every parent does, and I Googled all the different complications or things that could go wrong in this particular surgery, okay? And so I'm freaking out, I'm losing it, and so we get to the hospital, and you know, we have to drive to UVA for this because it was a specialty surgery, and we needed the right guy to do it. And so we get to the hospital and they get him ready. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's my heart is sinking all day as we drive up to there and we get him there and they give him this, like, they call it like the loopy medicine. I don't know if any of your kids have ever had surgery, but it basically makes it look like and seem like they're stoned, right? Like they're just like, 
all over the place. Like, they're already crazy because, like, they're nine months old, but he's, like, droopy, and he's just, he's smiling and babbling. And so that was kind of a light part of it. But then you've got to hand your kid off to the doctor, and then you've got to go wait in the waiting room for hours and hours and hours until the surgery is done. And that was probably the hardest part of my life of, you know, watching doctors come through and they're running and they're, you know, they're going towards where all the kids are. And I'm like, what? Like, where's he going? Like, what, is that for my kid? And you hear all these things on the, 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 the overhead, the, the radio where they're like, code red, code red. And I'm like, code red? I'm Googling what that is. Like, it sounds like blood. And so I'm freaking out and, and I'm worried. And again, every time, you know, I think about something, it's always the worst that's going to happen and the anesthesia and all the things that could possibly go wrong. And I finally had to just calm myself down and take a couple deep breaths and just start praying and start reminding myself of all the times in my life that God has been faithful. Times where I went through struggles with anxieties, times where I struggled with wondering what to do with my life, times where I've struggled, where I've had problems and issues and, and worries that just go beyond understanding. And in those moments, God pulled me out of those dark places. And I had to remind myself in that moment, God did it before he can do it again. Right, we just sung that song. I wrote this down backstage and it was, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. He says, the evidence is all over. Right, sometimes we forget in the moment of, you know, we're distracted, we're busy, you know, life's crazy, it's chaotic. We forget the things that God has done for us in our past. And so what happens is we get worried that God won't show up now. But when we stop for a minute and just remember that God was faithful then, he can be faithful now, it brings a peace that, again, is beyond all understanding. And this happens all the time in the Bible, where people, followers, strong followers of God, get worried and they get stressed and, and anxious. Here's one of them in Psalm chapter 143, verse 6. David says, I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. I remember the days of old. I ponder all of your great works and think about what you've done. I lift my hands to you in prayer and I thirst for you as a parched land thirsts for rain. He's like, my life is breaking right now. I am in despair. But then what he says is, but I remember the days of old. I look back to the moments where you came through when I didn't think you'd come through, but you did. You were faithful. Right, like that song saying, I look around at an empty grave, an empty tomb, and an empty cross. I see that you were faithful then. You can be faithful now. And so what it does is it gives us the confidence that God can do the things that we worry about. So Paul gives these four steps, right? Step one, worry about nothing. Step two, pray about everything. Step three, thank him for all he's done. And here's the last part, step four. It tells us to think about the right things. Here's what verse eight says. <clears throat> Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And, and we'll, we'll talk a lot about this up here. You know, if you go to Blue Ridge, you know we talk a lot about our mental health and our spiritual health. And a lot of times we'll, we'll read this verse as an instruction as to how we can really get our minds right. Because really what it comes down to is, is understanding and realizing that our minds are the gatekeeper to our hearts. Is that what we allow up here ends up taking over here. And so when it comes to our thanksgiving and getting back to thanks and getting rid of the stress and anxieties and worries in our lives, one of the most important things to do is have a perspective, have a right perspective and have a right outlook on life. 
And why it's so important is this, it's learning number five, it's because we're controlled by the things that we're most afraid of. When you think about worry and you think about stress and anxiety, really what they are is their fears. They're things I'm afraid of. They're things that you're afraid of. If you, if you write that list of 10 things out, I guarantee you all 10 of those things will be things that you are afraid could happen to you or might happen to you in your life. Or afraid of things that did happen in your life that they follow you and they never leave you. Fear is the most important tool of our enemy to get us to do what he wants us to do. I mean, people know this too. I mean, you look at politicians, you look at news stations, you look at you know, companies who are selling us stuff. They know that if they can get us to be afraid of something, they can influence and control us. I mean, think about just this past couple months of the, the governor's election we had in Virginia. I mean, it wasn't like every commercial about one of the candidates, about what, they, you know, what the other person was going to do, right? It's very rarely you see a commercial or an ad from one of these people who's talking about all the great things they're going to do. What do they do? They, they talk about all the bad things that are going to happen if the other person wins, right? If he wins, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, your life's going to be terrible. And then the next commercial, it's, if he wins, this is going to happen, this is going to, right? It's all about fear. It's all about fear. If someone can get you to be afraid of something, they can influence you. They can influence your vote. They can influence your pocketbook. They can influence almost everything about who you are. Because fear is the driving force of so many of our decisions and so many of our worries and anxieties. I mean, even look into, you know, the consumer world. I mean, advertising, marketing, most of it's about fear. If, if you've gotten pregnant over the last five to ten years and you're on social media, you know this to be true because when you were pregnant and you went to some parenting website, for some reason Facebook and Instagram knew that and every single ad that you saw from that point on was about something to do with your child or your, your child that was going to be born. And I remember this. I mean, every time we've had kids, there's been, my newsfeed is filled and littered with these things. And oftentimes it's to, to scare you into something that could happen to your kid, right, that, that at the end of the ad has some, you know, resolution or solution to the problem is to buy our product. Right? Like I remember the big one when our, you know, first child was born is, you know, don't feed your kid food off the shelves at Walmart or Target. Like the baby food in the jars, it's, there's lead in there, there's metals in there. There's, you know, if you feed this to your kid, then by the time they're three years old, they're going to have six fingers on their hands. Like, like it was crazy. But for $49.99, we've got something amazing for you. Organic carrots, organic broccoli. We'll package it up for you and we'll give it to you, right? Like they're selling something to you. Or another favorite was the humidifier one. A lot of you have probably seen this, and someone said it in the last service, is the, the humidifier ad that went around that was like, if you have a name brand humidifier in your baby's room, you better, you got one strike as a bad parent. That's terrible, right? Your child is probably breathing in heavy, like mold and mildew that is, you know, uncapped. It's not regulated by your average humidifier. It was like this huge thing back then. But for $900, right, buy our humidifier and your child will be able to breathe like a champ, right? Like, it's fear tactics, right? Like, people will use this news stations. I don't care what news station you watch or you listen to or you follow. They will do anything they can to instill fear into you about anything good or positive happening on the other side. Why do they do that? Because they can control us. And I'm not talking about some conspiracy theory that I've got, don't worry. But it's fear, right? Fear is the driver of almost every single one of our fears and worries and anxieties. 
And if someone can get us to focus on one of those, they can influence our vote, our money, the way we live our lives, the way we go throughout, the, the way we act in life. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 27. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. So as a man or a woman thinks in their heart, so they are. What we focus on, we end up becoming. We are driven by fear. We're driven by the things that we worry about. We're driven by the things that could happen in our lives. And I think what we need to do as we learn about getting back to thanks and living a life of thanksgiving is starting with redefining what we're afraid of. And we do that by realizing that over 90% of the things we're afraid of are useless and senseless to worry about. Why? Because they'll never happen. We're told and we're, you know, it it makes it seem like by social media all around us that all these bad things are happening. And, And yes, there's not amazing things happening everywhere in the world. There's some bad things. But sometimes social media and the internet can have an effect on us that makes it seem like a small issue is actually a really big issue because we see it, it goes viral, and everyone sees that one story or that one problem or that one heartbreaking story that keeps getting passed around over and over. We've got to redefine what instills fear into us and realize that most of the things we're afraid of won't ever even happen in the first place. That's why it's so important that God over and over tells us to focus on what's good, focus on what's right, focus on what's true, focus on what's admirable and honorable. Listen, as we close this morning, um, we've talked a lot about Thanksgiving. We've talked a lot about the things that get in the way of Thanksgiving. And, and I just want to challenge each one of you here today or listening or watching online to do something over the next 24 hours that could have a huge impact on, and especially the rest of this year as it gets busier and busier and busier. At some point over the next 24 hours, just take a couple minutes, get by yourself, and you turn off your phone, turn off the TV. If you've got kids, you know, hand them off to your spouse. You know, if you're a single parent, find a time maybe when they go to sleep or before they wake up and just close your eyes, try to ignore and turn off all of the noise in your life and just sit there and take a couple deep breaths. And if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, I want you just to start praying and talking to God and thinking back on your life of all of the times where God has come through for you. Maybe it's the times you were worried. Maybe it's the times where you went through a really hard valley in your life. But in moments where you experienced anxiety and worry and stress, but in those moments where God came through in ways you couldn't have imagined. And what I want you to do with that is use that as a tool to combat and fight against the stress and worry that you have today. You know, maybe that is a financial stress and worry. You know, Christmas is coming up and you're trying to figure out how you're going to put food on the table or how to put presents underneath the tree. Maybe that's stress at your job. Maybe Q4 is just, you know, lights out for you. It just gets busier and busier and busier. We all need moments in our lives where we slow down, turn off all the noise, and just focus on the things that matter. Focusing on God, focusing on the things he's done for us, that he's blessed us with, and use that as a tool to fight the worry and the stress of our today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the word that you give to us and just all of the things that we have going on in our lives. It's busy. You know, there's a lot of noise around us. There's a lot of voices. There's a lot of things to be afraid of. But God, we just pray right now that you would come and you take control of all of it. 
That, God, you wouldn't let the, our past haunt us. You wouldn't let the things that we, you know, senselessly and uselessly worry about control our decisions of who we are and, and the people we become. But, God, we would trust in you that you're in control, that you can do all things. God, we thank you for the things you've done in our past. We thank you for the things you're doing today. And we thank you, God, for the things you're going to do in our future. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, real quick before we leave, I've got two big announcements. The first one is there's a youth conference that all of our middle school and high schoolers are going to uh, in the end of the year. I believe it's the beginning of next year. It's called Resurrection. Um, the last day to sign up for this is going to be this Wednesday. Okay, so if you've got a middle or high schooler and you want them to be on this trip, you've got to get them signed up. You can go to the Church Center app. Uh, on the bottom, there should be a tab that's events or registrations, and all the information is there about what you need. Uh, to send your kid on that trip. The second big thing is next Sunday, we're doing what we call Celebration Sunday, where we have baptisms and child dedications. Okay, so if you have a child you want to dedicate, it doesn't have to be a baby, it can be any kind of child, but maybe uh, you want to dedicate your child to the Lord to commit to raising them in a godly home, uh, I want to encourage you to sign up to do that as well. If you want to get baptized, take that next right step in your faith and that public proclamation of of what you believe. Again, go ahead and sign up on the connection card for that. We're going to show you a quick video and then we're going to close, but it's really just to highlight what can be if you take that next right step next week. Here you go.